guys. Thank you very much. I don't know, I think it was maybe six years ago, five, six years ago, we started a youth worship band, featured them on uh, fifth Sundays like today, and most of them are either at college or going to college like in a month. I'm taking Kleenex orders right now, <clears throat> just send them, 2132 Fifth Street, Kleenex, uh, grief counseling, all kinds of stuff like that. And, but today, we have like our next generation youth band, Abby on piano and Bodie on drums, so thanks guys. <clears throat> yeah, super grateful for you guys. Uh, welcome to Emmaus Church. My name's Nathan. I'm glad that you're here. Raise your hand if you'd like a Bible. We'll hand one to you. I'm going to preach through a brand new uh, passage called Luke 24. It's very uh, familiar to many of you. I'm going to hit it again because it's amazing. Uh, we'll give you the page numbers here in a minute. Also, there's a notes page if you would like to uh, follow along. There's a notes page that Anglin has and others. It looks like this. And at the bottom is an, as a space where you can fill out contact information if you'd like to hand it off to us. We'd love to stay in contact with you. And you can just tear that off and put it in the basket in a little bit. And finally, if this is your very first Sunday with us, I especially hope you feel welcome this morning and encouraged by your time here in church with us. We'd love to just give you a, a gift as a way of saying we value your, your being here. Um, we know that this is a significant decision to join in, to come into a new church community. It's often pretty weird to join another community, uh, something that's new. But we just love to say thanks for being here. We hope that you're encouraged and challenged this morning. There's a, a bag of freshly roasted coffee for you as a, just a thank you and uh, a way of saying that we hope that you have a great experience here with us. All right. I think we're ready to rock. <clears throat> we're in a final week of a three-week series of teachings called This Beloved Community, and we've been attempting to answer the question, what difference does Pentecost make? Or a little bit more specifically, how did being filled with the Holy Spirit impact the earliest followers of Jesus? What difference did that make? And the reason that these questions are really important questions to us is because we want to discover what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God today, right? In other words, if the stories that we read in the Bible are only ancient historical records, well, they can teach us something, they can inform us, but they can't transform us, right? But if the stories that we read in the Bible are not just stories about old people's experiences with Jesus 2,000 years ago, but they also reveal to us something about our experiences with God here and now today, then these ancient stories, they can do more than just inform us, they can transform us. They can change us. So in other words, we're reading, when we read scripture, we're reading not just to know about, we're reading to know. We're reading to experience. We're anticipating a realization of the reality of the Holy Spirit of God. That's what we can expect. That's what we're looking for. So we could talk about uh, the presence of God. We could talk about the peace that we receive from God. We could talk about the power that is available to normal people like you and me because of the Holy Spirit of God. We could talk about this for a very long time. In fact, uh, you may know that in the Christian calendar, the season called Pentecost begins 50 days after Easter, runs all the way through the summer, runs all the way through the fall up to Advent. And the point of that is to say 
You can talk about the significance of being filled with the Spirit for a very long time. You can talk about what difference does it make. How do you live in tune with not just the historic account that a God exists, but the here and now living presence and power of God. You can lean into that for most of the year. That's the life of the church. That's the life of the Christian. So we could talk about this for a long time. We've just taken three weeks. If we were to summarize this into three weeks, summarize what? The question, the, what impact does the Holy Spirit have on followers of Jesus today? That's the question. If we were to summarize that into three weeks, we could put it like this. The Spirit enables us to share life. <clears throat> the Spirit enables us to discover Jesus. And the Spirit enables us to restore all things. Let me share just a brief comment about each of those. First, the Holy Spirit enables followers of Christ to truly share life with one another, to experience spiritual community that makes a real difference in real life. For instance, the earliest followers of Jesus, the Christian communities that are discussed in Acts, the early uh, book of the church in the, in the New Testament, it says this, God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. There were no needy persons among them. This is both profound and fiercely practical, is it not? This is, this is the effect of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's profound in its power and it's also just fiercely practical. Second, the Holy Spirit enables followers of Christ to grow in their relationship with Christ. Jesus himself says that the Spirit will guide you into all the truth. This is John 16. In other words, the normal Christian experience, maybe not the common Christian experience, but the normal, what is normal for Christians to experience is the growing, ongoing, ever-deepening discovery of Jesus. We talked about this last week, how our experiences with life just continue to expand. Life becomes more and more complex all of the time. Uh, the realities in my life at 46 are way more complicated than the realities of my life at 23. Life has gotten bigger, so my relationship with Jesus needs to get bigger. It needs to grow. To, to, to fail to grow in my experience with God, um, if my experience with Jesus doesn't continue to grow, it will not keep pace with the automatically ongoing and expanding realities of my life. And if my faith, my experience with Jesus doesn't keep pace with the ongoing complexities of my life, I will become spiritually frustrated. And I will say things like, this is not working for me anymore. Right? And this will be a, a, a challenge that will ultimately just crush me down. God will appear to be too small for the realities in my life. God will appear to be inadequate. He's not, but he will appear to be if my experience with Jesus doesn't continue to grow like my experience of life in the world just automatically continues to grow. I was speaking to somebody in my office this week who was in the middle of a very challenging situation and after we talked for a bit, I asked how I could pray for them. <clears throat> and they said this. They said, pray that I will grow spiritually. And then, and then this is what they said that caught my attention. Because I have to. That's what they said. And I said, amen. You do. And I do too. It is essential that I continue to grow in my relationship with Jesus. Um, it is absolutely critical 
real life demands that my relationship with Jesus is a growing dynamic, right? I need to grow in my experience of God's peace, grow in my experience of God's power, and thankfully, God's spirit is here to lead me into all of that. This is not something that's all on my shoulders, and I got to just work up some effort. <clears throat> God's spirit is here to lead me into the growing, ongoing, ever-deepening discovery of Jesus. It's a beautiful truth. That's the good news. That's the good news, that God is here to lead us into this always growing experience with him. God's spirit leads us, in other words, to share life. And secondly, God's spirit leads us to discover Jesus initially and then this ongoing discovery. And then there's a third way that, our, that followers of Jesus are changed by the filling of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God enables regular people like you and me to join the mission of God. What is the mission of God? It's the restoration of all things. So the Spirit enables us to join in this. God created the world, called it very good. Then sin devastates the world. Self-centered thoughts lead to self-centered actions, which, which lead to all kinds of uh, destructive consequences. And ever since then, re read about that in Genesis 3, ever since then, God has engaged humanity in this mission to restore all things, to bring all things back together, to bring all things back into wholeness and rightness together again. The Hebrew word is shalom, the way it's supposed to be, right? Another way of saying this is to ask, what is the purpose? In other words, why did God come to earth as a man named Jesus? Was the purpose of that for Jesus to just show up? Well, well, no. The purpose was for him to show up and accomplish something, right? To do something. Specifically, to restore all things. Jesus articulates his purpose for being here by essentially saying that he has come to restore all things. Let me show you just a couple examples. He launches his ministry in Luke chapter 4. Uh, with this five-part kind of summary statement of his purpose. He says this, The Spirit of the Lord is, is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, uh, freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, help people see, right? Set the oppressed free, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In other words, to proclaim the abundant grace of God. So here are five examples of broken things. Jesus says he has come to restore, to put back together. In other words, this is why Jesus has come. For the restoration of all things. In the next chapter of Luke's gospel, he says it in a slightly different way. He says, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. <clears throat> I've not come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. At the end of Luke's gospel, he says it like this. Speaking of himself, Jesus says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. I'm here to put it all back together. Jesus' reason for coming, his purpose for being here, is articulated in several ways in various places, but they can all be boiled down basically to this. Jesus' purpose is to restore all things. And if that's Jesus' purpose for being here, then what's the church's purpose for being here, right? Is it just to have a church? Is it just because you guys, we all needed a meeting this morning, right? Mm -mm. No. Our, our purpose, the purpose of Christ followers is to join Christ's mission. Our purpose as a church, then, must be the same as Christ's purpose as 
who, as, as, as Christ, as the Messiah, as God in the flesh. In other words, we are here to restore all things. That's why we're here. So let me just show you how this shows up in the Emmaus Road story, uh, which many of you are familiar with because it's the, it's the story from which we have drawn the name of this community. This is Luke chapter 24. The, the story takes place in two places. I'm just going to quickly summarize this. Two places uh, are the settings for this story. There's a road and there's a table. The story begins on the road. It's a road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's Sunday morning. Jesus was killed a couple of days ago on, on Friday. And that brought this whole Jesus movement to a dramatic, climactic, and apparent end. And so then there are two people who are formerly were followers of Jesus who were devastated, of course, by the events of the previous week. They are so devastated, in fact, that they're leaving. They're bailing out on the Christian community. They're leaving Jerusalem. It's over for them. And as they walk and talk together on the road, this third traveler catches up to them and then slows down to walk with them. And he asks them questions. He asks them questions like, what's going on in your life? What are you talking about as you walk along? Tell me more about that. They're sharing life. That's what's happening. They're on a journey. It's a very authentic and genuine journey. That's what they're doing. They're sharing life. Next, the two travelers invite the third traveler to stay with them for dinner. It's late. It's the end of the day. It's getting dark. But more important than that, they are so captivated by the perspective of this third traveler that they simply must hear more. They, they will not take no for an answer. As they have shared their despair and their confusion and their disappointment, he's been sharing purpose and, and uh, he's been connecting dots for them. They are compelled by this perspective. They will not take no for an answer. They say, you must stay with us. And then the story moves from the road to the table. And it's at the table <clears throat> that this third traveler takes bread, blesses it, breaks it, and shares it with them. And then these people discover that the third traveler, his, he's Jesus. And this is amazing because they've known Jesus, they've walked with him, shared life with him before, but then uh, he was killed. And so that ended it, right? Because how do you have a relationship with a dead Jesus? But at the table, they discover that Jesus is alive, that he's risen from the dead. And they've never experienced Jesus like this before. This is entirely new to them. In other words, life has become way more complex for them, hasn't it, over the last few weeks? It's become way more complex. There's a whole new season of life. But what happens at the table is they discover Jesus in this new season. Their experience with Jesus catches up to their experience of life and fills it. And this is the amazing moment. This is the moment of peace. This is the moment when they get it. This is the moment that just makes sense. Now their grief turns to joy in this moment. And you would just think, what do you want to do now? You just want to stay there, right? You just want, this is it. This is this, it's all back together. I just want to stay here, right here. I just want to stay at the table. But then something crazy happens. It's the weirdest part of the whole story. Do you know what happens next? Jesus disappears. <laughs> That's what it says. That's all we get. It doesn't say Jesus left the room. Jesus took a break. Jesus disappeared. It's super mysterious, and it's super important. Why is it important? Because the purpose of meeting Jesus at the table is not to just stay at the table. 
And that's exactly what they want to do. That's what we would want to do. We just want to camp out. We just want to talk about it forever. Let me just talk about all the, all the connections you've just made, all the things that didn't make sense. Now they do make, they do make sense for me now. But the purpose is, is not to stay at the table. The purpose of experiencing Jesus at the table is to get back on the road. That's the purpose. And so that's exactly what they do. Luke says they get up at once and they return. So it's the end of the day, it's, it's, it's dark and everything, but now they're back on the road. Everything's changed, but they're back on the road, and now they're going the opposite direction. So just think about this, like, from a visual standpoint. It's the same road, but they're going the other way, right? In some ways, it's very familiar territory, but everything has changed now. It's a whole different purpose now. They're not leaving, they're being compelled to go back. Now they're on a mission they're turned around, they're going back, they get up at once, they head back to Jerusalem. Why do they go back? To join God's mission. What's God's mission? To restore all things. To restore all things. And they return to their community, and they're saying the same thing. It's true. Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus is restoring all things. Friends, this is the journey. This is the journey. It's the journey of road to table, back to the road. That's the journey. That's this Christian experience. Road to table road. We share life. We discover Jesus in more full and profound ways. Does, does Jesus get bigger? No. We just see more of who he actually is. We just recognize him more accurately all the time as we're walking in fellowship with him. This is the journey. We're sharing life. We're discovering Jesus. And then we're restoring all things. I want to invite uh, Sandy and Daryl Haskins to join me on the platform for a minute. And I just want to talk with them a little bit about their experience of restoration. Um, and uh, we'll pull out some of the parallels here. Give us just a second. Background furniture moving music. <laughs> Good. So... Um, Daryl and Sandy became part of the community here in 2006, and that is earlier than almost every one of you. Uh, so in other words, when most of you joined this community, Daryl and Sandy were already here. And so uh, they know a lot of your stories, but maybe you don't know how they arrived here. So would you just start us off, Daryl, by uh, giving us a little bit of background on how you arrived in this place? Yeah, this will be a... Very brief, 30,000 feet kind of uh, intro to, to our journey uh, coming here. We uh, were living in Reading, where I was finishing school at the early part of the 2000s. Um, and after I had graduated, uh, we had been seeking uh, and asking God what was going to be next for us. And uh, really felt like church planting was the direction I was uh, being led and we did a lot of preparation and praying and looking, and through all of that, we landed on, on Lincoln. So in July of 2005, almost exactly a year after uh, you guys showed up right. in Lincoln to plant Emmaus, we landed in, in Lincoln, and I was the lead pastor of a, a church plant called The Foundry here in Lincoln, and uh, we had, were in our process of preparing and launching and, and things like that. And about a year into that uh, process, we just started uh, weekly gatherings over at an elementary school on the other side of town. And through kind of a crazy set 
of bizarre circumstances, we just we found out that our youngest son, who was five at the time, had brain cancer. And it just turned everything upside down for us, like, like it would. Yes. Um, uh, we were told that he probably wasn't going to be alive by the end of the year. It was really bad. And uh, everything uh, just got turned upside down for us. Um, so because of that, that crisis situation and the, what we were being told was the imminent death of our son and uh, the newness of the church plant and, uh, and everything like that, we had to, we had to just let that, that go. There was no structure to set up that we could just hand it off to somebody else to run. And so we uh, we've just let that fold down and um, we are pretty much our entire church plant team ended up here at Emmaus because we had met Nathan and the, and the, and kind of started to become involved with this community and we had helped out with worship a little bit right. in the early stages and and um, and we all we all ended up here. So at the you know towards the end of 2006, our our lives were pretty much in a fiery free fall. You know, uh, my the the church planning was my primary source of income. Sandy wasn't working at the time. Uh, we were dealing with uh, Kyler being in the hospital, and then we lost the house, and so everything just felt like the bottom had fallen out. And uh, we needed a place to just get back together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's how we ended up in Lincoln and how we ended up at Emmaus. Yeah, good. So then everything is off the table, right? Everything you planned and anticipated, at least as you could see it, was, was different or gone. Um, why did you decide to stay here? Yeah, so for a while, it really was about the hospital. Mm -hmm. So we were deep in treatments and um, the clinic, and then after treatment was basically over, we needed to stay around for um, MRI scans. That would happen once a month, then it went to every three months. And just so for practical reasons, staying in Lincoln and having you know, a half hour drive to Sacramento was the uh, one of the reasons that we stayed. Well, meanwhile, like Daryl said, we plugged into Emmaus. And, um, you know, early on, we could tell that Emmaus was all about restoration. And one of the ways we found that out was even before we started coming to Emmaus, there was one day that we came home from the hospital and there were um, maybe four or five men in our backyard doing work for us. Um, Somehow, someone heard that, uh, I think Daryl made a comment on the blog about seeing our backyard in shambles and chaotic and it representing what he felt like inside, being broken. And so, we come home and some men from Emmaus are in our backyard, um, restoring our backyard. Um, so we, we decided to, to plug into Emmaus. It became a great place for us to just heal um, and restore ourselves. And then, you know, it didn't take long. We, you know, we moved to Lincoln to start a church and to be about restoration in Lincoln. So it wasn't long after plugging into Emmaus that we got involved with restoration ourselves. 
um, in a variety of different ways, whether it was supporting single moms or the youth center or partnering with a lot of the, the community, different organizations in town. Um, and about three years ago, I got involved with a ministry called Mercy Multiplied, which most of you have heard about. And um, that's been one of my favorite ways to be about restoration in the community. And um, we actually want to show you a video clip right now of the restorative work that happens at Mercy. I love the restorative work of Mercy. And, you know, a little later in this clip, you find that both those girls that were highlighted are now doing 
restorative work themselves, one of them working at Mercy, another one uh, doing missions in Africa. So pretty cool just to see that um, multiply. Um, so, you know, to kind of get back to the question, we stayed in Lincoln because Emmaus has been such a place of healing, restoration, and a place for our family to serve as well. And, and after we were at a point with, the, with Kyler's treatment where uh, there was a little bit more breathing space, we began to ask ourselves, like, you know, what, what we should do next. Like, do we stay here in Lincoln? Do we go back to, do we go back to Redding, where Sandy's family is, and our sending church, the church planting church that we came from, and a lot of our support system and things like that? And we we really felt like we needed to stay we needed to stay for for the stability of our family we wanted our boys to have one place that they knew a community that they grew up in a uh, a place that they would remember all of their lives as this is where home was. I came from a military family. We moved around a lot and had to make a lot of, a lot of friends and things like that. And uh, we really wanted to provide some stability. So that's, that's why we stayed. Well, what's next? Share with us uh, what's going on and, and what you sense God's calling you into next. Yeah. So um, it's a unique season for us, as many of you know. Um, both boys have graduated from high school now. Um, Kendrick will be finishing up at Azusa, his senior year at Azusa. And Kyler will be starting his freshman year in college um, in Pulaski, Tennessee, about an hour and 15 away from Nashville area. So uh, Daryl and I began a season of praying about what's next for us, uh, starting in January and looking throughout the year, um, realizing that right around this time we would be empty nesters. So we began to pray. Um, at that same time, we became aware of a book called The Next Right Thing by Emily P. Freeman. Um, so we began to read that, um, just ask other people to be co-listeners in our life, to pray along with us as we were discerning what the Holy Spirit was doing in our lives, um, which was a wonderful process. They would ask us good questions. Um, and listen and just really help us with some insight along the way. Um, so we loved that. We began to feel a stirring to be near family again. Um, we have been 14 years without any family around. And, you know, we're at this season now. We're getting older. We're feeling like that's, that's a priority in our lives and something that, that we're longing for again. So we continue to pray about it. And then in May, I talked with my friend Carrie. She works at Mercy Multiplied. And she has a role called the Community Relations Manager. She's basically a Mercy cheerleader. That's <laughs> the way I like to describe it. She's an evangelist for Mercy. She gets to tell people about the power of God 
and what he does with the girls at Mercy, and not just the girls at Mercy, but there is hope and freedom for everybody. Um, so I love to watch her present. And one day we were together, and she said, "So Sandy, how do you want to? Uh, how would you like to be me at the Nashville Mercy Multiplied? I think you would be perfect for it." And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that there was a position open that particular role in the very place that we were praying about moving. It was confirmation. It was seeing that these last 14 years here was preparing us for this. And so after many interviews and more listening and more praying um, and finally a job offer, we decided uh, to accept and we will be moving to Nashville in August. We're very excited about that. We actually met in Nashville. We got married in Nashville. We had both of our boys in Nashville. It's, it's coming home in some senses to us. We're, and Daryl's parents live out there. Uh, like I said, um, Kyler will be going to college out there. Where we will be will be an hour and 15 minutes away from him. So he will have his space and actually <laughs> not have four parents. <laughs> so... Anyway, we're very excited about this opportunity, um, and of course, we're very sad about leaving you all, our community. We've shared life with you. We've discovered Jesus with you. We've restored along with you, and we're excited about this next season of restoration, and we really would love your support and your prayer for us in this next season. So we're so grateful for you. Thank you. It's, I have a lot to say in about three minutes, so I'll, I'll save most of this, but um, for another event we'll do later, but it's impossible, it's, it's impossible to um, overstate the impact that Daryl and Sandy have had on this community, isn't it? Their, their fingerprints are all over us, uh, all over the church, the, the vision, how they helped birth it, the um, articulation of the kinds of ministry that we do here, they have been within, like woven within the fabric of it. Sandy's had three different job descriptions and done such a great job working on the staff. Daryl has worked on and off the staff. Mostly Daryl has just served. Uh, Daryl's commitment to serve this church is unparalleled. Um, he's taught, he's led worship, he's discipled, he's married people, he's visited people in the hospital. So many behind-the-scenes kinds of things. He's been a source of stability for other people's kids. Uh, Sandy has been, as you know, she's been like the face of the church uh, in the community. Her Facebook page has way more followers than our church's Facebook page, right? <laughs> uh, that's how people hear about us, is through Sandy. Um, we're, it's been a privilege and a gift to share life with you guys crazy that we came here to do the same thing. We met at Pachioco's restaurant, and uh, we even articulated, man, we're trying to do the same thing here. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then our boys went through the same fire, and we, uh, you know, there's a, there's a bond there <laughs> that uh, you don't know unless you go there. And uh, 
your, your being big brother and sister to us as we were b behind you in that journey was, uh, was a huge gift from God. So, so we're kind of torn up about this, uh, and we're excited for them because the work that Sandy has been most alive about in the last couple years has been this in the trenches restorative work with young women over at Mercy. And the value of, of doing life near family is something that um, not everybody gets to do, but those who do can see it as such, can recognize it as such, such a source of stability. Um, so we're going to celebrate this, this next season with you. You've been with us since 2006, and, uh, and we're going to celebrate this next season of God restoring you and using you for the, for the restoration of other people. Um, we'll have an event at the uh, beginning of August, which I'll tell you more about in a minute. And we've got about a month, and we wanted to share with you folks now so that you'd have time to um, be able to write a note, give a hug, express your appreciation. Um, but I just want to say officially from this place um, this morning, thank you. Uh, we are deeply grateful for both of you and for your boys and for the way that you have made this a strong church. We, it's hard to imagine uh, a season here without you, but we are grateful for your investment in this place. So would you just, um, it's sort of silly, but yeah, let's just clap. Yeah. say a prayer for, for all of us. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. You've gone before. You are with. There's grace around the corner for the next challenge. We just expect that and count on that. And we're so thankful for the gift of being able to share life with Sandy and Daryl, Tyler and Kendrick. And for this story that we've heard and for the way it will continue to be played out, uh, we trust you to provide for the needs of this community, the leadership pastoral care, the careful attention to detail in a season of need that Sandy has especially provided. Um, and I pray that you would also provide for them the, the logistics of a move and new jobs and all of the shifting in relationships and, and just the practicalities of life. So lay the whole thing before you, Lord. Uh, part of us would like to just stay at a table. It's, it's good now. Let's just stay right here. But you call us back to the road. And so may they know that they're being sent out as missionaries um, with, uh, with something to say and with uh, a fortitude that comes only through the fire to engage in others' lives now uh, at, a, at another level um, as, as those who can represent the good news of Jesus Christ. We love you. Uh, God bless the Haskins today. God bless Emmaus Church today. Uh, may we continue to sing of your glory together in Jesus' name. Amen.